0: Welcome to Tamara Talk Circular, where we explore how businesses, municipalities, and governments are collaborating towards a circular economy. I'm Meetu Moran. Climate change mitigation is back on the agenda globally, and while not everything is moving in the same direction, there are some very positive indications. As we come to a close of what many would consider to be a challenging year, in our last episode for 2022, we want to look forward. Joining me today is Tova Andersen, President and CEO of Tomra, and I'd like to add here that she is the first woman to hold that position. Prior to coming to Tomra, Tova spent 18 years with Yara International in a variety of senior roles, ultimately becoming Executive Vice President Europe. Needless to say, Tova has seen a lot of change during her career and is considered now to be a valuable advisor in the circles that are working towards climate change mitigation. Tova, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, Mithu. Very happy to be here.
0: So, Tova, as we look back on 2022, I think it's fair to say that the world has never seen so much activity in the climate arena. Renewable energy solutions continue to rise. The transition to EVs or electric vehicles is really taking off, and we are seeing more and more products and packaging Made with recycled content. That said, we still have a long way to go to meet climate targets. What do you think has spurred all of these sudden shifts towards sustainability?
1: Yeah, so first of all, uh, I would say that uh, it's still not happening enough, fast enough. Um, and even though we see some improvements now in the speed and the focus, we are by far at what is required to meet the one and a half degree goal. However, there has been, you know, a positive change the last years. So I think it's been a gradual improvement. But if you then look at 2022 and increased in attention, I, I think it's part driven by that it becomes more and more. Obvious to people or clear to people what will be the impact of climate change. And what I'm thinking about then is the extreme weather conditions that we have seen throughout the whole world. You know, the flooding that we saw in Pakistan, the heat wave in Europe with wildfires there. You have seen similar things in North America, in Asia, Oceania. And I think by people seeing this, it becomes so much more real what will be the impact and that creates a different kind of urgency. And is it something that we really need? It is this sense of urgency because we need to act now. What we are doing now, the next years, is really going to be crucial for where we really land on the global heating of the planet.
0: And I agree. I think uh, we are moving in the right direction, but it needs to be done much more quickly. And there is a lot more that can be done much more quickly. So, as you know, the United Nations Environment Program is headed to Uruguay as a follow up to the process that started in March of this year with a binding agreement for plastics for actually han- man- managing or mitigating, reducing plastic waste pollution. How do you think this will reshape the economy and the products we know and use today?
1: So uh, I'm very excited about what is happening now with the United Nations, that we now have all of these countries that have signed up and committed to land Uh, a globally binding agreement. It will probably be the most important agreement after the Paris Agreement on climate change. Uh, And it is important because plastic pollution today is a huge global issue. It's an issue from a climate perspective because uh, plastic is, of course, uh, made by oil and it emits CO2 while being burned. But it's also an important environmental challenge as so much of the plastic today ends in nature. If you look at plastic packaging, you know, almost a third of the plastic packaging ends in nature, on land or in oceans. Every year, 11 million tons of plastic goes into our oceans and is still increasing. And if we don't change the trajectory, uh, that will probably triple by 2040. So I'm very excited now that all of these countries are coming together to really come up with the global solutions on how to combat it. But then to solve it and how it will reshape the economy and businesses uh, when we are going to solve this, is a lot about going from the typical linear system to a circular system. That we have to go away from the traditional way where we produce, we consume, and then we dispose of things. Instead, we need to first of all design products in a way that they can be recycled or reused. We need to ensure that products and the packaging are collected after usage and that it then becomes reused or recycled. So it's really about creating circular systems. It's about changing the value chains that are operating in this space.
0: Okay, so true collaboration across the value chain, like we've never seen before, actually.
1: Yeah, and I think that is one of the reasons why Uh, it takes a bit of time because you have to create then these new value chains. But that's also why it's important that we have these kind of global agreements to create the ambitions and the aspirations and the targets, but also a level playing field and the regulatory framework to incentivize and make this shift happen.
0: Okay, Tova, so as I mentioned before, there are certain things that haven't been necessarily moving in the right direction. And one of those things might be the... Frustration, I think that we, we all heard, was Coca-Cola was announced as a major sponsor at the recent COP27. Actually, because the beverage giant was named one of the world's leading polluter of plastics in only 2021, a report from the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, with whom Tomra also works, has also cast doubt on the company's environmental ambitions, revealing that packaging targets for 2025 will almost certainly not be met. Of course, brand owners are an integral part of the plastics value chain, and everyone, including the planet, needs companies like Coca-Cola to curb their dependency on virgin plastics derived from fossil fuels. Voluntary commitments by brand owners to address plastic pollution is obviously not working. Do you support what some call... A global polluter pays policy, in other words, a global extended producer responsibility or EPR scheme for plastic packaging products like beverage containers.
1: My short answer would be yes. I think actually that is uh, extremely important to be able to drive this change at speed. We do see good movements with companies, you know, committing with new targets. They are doing actions now to reduce their climate footprint, but without a global PR or a polluter pay policy, you potentially create, you know, a disadvantage for those that want to move forward on this quickly, because it will have an additional cost often. By having, you know, um, a global uh, responsibility for the producers to ensure that they look after their products throughout the whole life cycle and ensure that uh, they minimize environmental footprint, you will create an even a level playing field for these producers. It's not those that only want to do it, but you enforce that everybody does it uh, at the same time, which will then drive this at a speed uh, which we will not be able to do with volunteerly scheme. Uh, And to be honest, I think it's also the right thing to do. I mean, we in Tumra, we are producers as well. We are producers of equipment and machines. And for me, it's the logic thing that we need to take responsibility for what happens with our products also after, during usage. You know, how do we minimize the environmental footprint during usage, but also afterwards. So I think it's the right thing to do, but I think also it's needed to be able to drive the change with speed.
0: Okay, and I know these are things that we're also looking at internally, uh, not only looking at, but actually making... Movement making change to make sure we also walk the talk.
1: Yes, so we also are working on that uh, in uh, Tumra. We have now uh, uh, just launched our updated sustainability strategy. And part of that is looking at how can we minimize uh, the life cycle footprint of our products, but also how do we ensure that we have good schemes in place at end of life to take back products, get them recycled and so forth. Okay, so stay tuned, I guess.
0: We were talking about looking forward, so we're looking at trends in the circular economy. This last year, we spent a lot of time discussing solutions for plastic waste on this podcast. But we've also talked about other resources like wood and metal recycling. Which resources do you think are the biggest opportunities for 2023 when it comes to a circular economy?
1: I think there are still a lot to be done in plastics and that is both uh, about rolling out existing technologies, existing solutions to ensure that we are collecting and recycling uh, more uh, packaging plastic. In addition, I see a significant potential in increasing the plastic that we are collecting and recycling from post-consumer plastic. Uh, If you look at today, even if you have a good system uh, in a country where you will separate plastic at home and and that gets then collected still, you know, half of the plastic that we consume ends up in mixed waste and getting burned. It's it's a significant amount that we're not capturing. So also I believe within plastic, it's not only about rolling out existing technologies, but also then to capture more of the post-consumer plastic and what and do and use what we call advanced mechanical recycling, which is really about taking the best available technologies for washing, cleaning, sorting plastics, uh, removing odor, etc., so that we can enable more plastic being recycled. So still a lot to do about plastics. I think it's important to not believe that the plastic recycling part has been sold. But a lot can be done with rolling out existing technologies and taking use and these best available technologies for advanced mechanical recycling. In addition to that, I think textiles is an area that we really need to step up the effort in worldwide. Uh, textile is a significant uh, challenge where there is very limited... Uh, reuse and recycling today. I think people believe that a lot of textiles are being reused, but it's a very, very limited amount and hardly anything gets recycled. So that is, uh, and 70% of textiles are produced from oil as well. So it's a significant CO2 emitter. So that's an area that we need to step up work. I think also there will be more increased focus on reuse solutions, not only for... Uh, typical packaging products, but also for takeaway cups, trays, and so forth. So also to find good solutions for reuse will be an important uh, thing to work on uh, during next year.
0: Okay. And I believe uh, we see a lot of movement in both of those arenas, uh, as well as plastics, obviously, uh, within Europe. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what happens. And in fact, we had a two-part episode with Luisa uh, on textiles a couple of weeks ago, which uh, seemed to have gotten some attention. So if uh, any of our listeners are interested in that, they may want to tune into those two podcasts. Tova, as I mentioned, you are CEO and president of Tomra, and I'm sure that our listeners are eager to see what's coming. So this year, as you know, especially at the headquarters in Aska, uh, Aska, we celebrated 50 years, or are still in the progress of celebrating our 50-year anniversary. And it's actually amazing. When you look back at the beginnings of how we started in a Norwegian grocery store. Um, And we've become now over time, a publicly traded company that's offering products and services around the world, basically. You joined Tomra Systems as president, as I said, and CEO last year, August of last year, and have led the company to deliver outstanding results, especially considering all the challenges the world faces in the last couple of years with pandemic and supply chain challenges. Can you let our listeners in on what's next? What's your vision for the future of
1: Tumra? So in Tumra, we want to lead the resource revolution. That is our vision. That's what we live by and for every day. What do we mean by that? That means that we want to be a catalyst and an enabler for the change that I talked about, where we go from a linear system to a circular system. Uh, And we will do that by continuing growing with our existing solutions, our existing solutions for collection of uh, beverage containers, sorting of different materials. But we will also do that by being an impact leader in the space. So we engage with stakeholders uh, all over the world, with the big brand owners, with the different governments, with the United Nations now, really sharing this 50 years of competence and experience on how can you actually do this in practice you know what are really the practical solutions that can be implemented to reduce litter and enable then recycling so we'll do it as an impact leader as well and then also we will do it by coming up with new innovative solutions New innovative solutions that can then unlock new circular opportunities because perhaps we can collect or recycle new elements or sort in a way that can enable recycling, but also unlock it by working with the value chain. So textiles is a good uh, example. You need to create a whole new value chain in textiles because today there isn't any recycling happening. There is no, um, at least... Uh, with one exception, you know, there is no automated sorting facility for textiles. So we are also very committed to work with the value chains to enable and set up and develop these value chains that will be required. So in Tumra, you know, our focus is really to drive growth because we know the more we grow, the better it is for em- the environment but not only grow ourselves, but enable others to grow within the circular economy space by sharing our knowledge and experience. So I think we are in a very fortunate situation uh, in Tumra. We have a very strong foundation, a very strong organization with very competent people. uh, And it feels very meaningful that we can now use that to also support this whole change that is required.
0: So Tova, I'd like now to become a little bit more personal. The World Economic Forum has recently highlighted four climate topics that should be prioritized to create real impact. One of these caught my attention, and it's women as climate leaders. And as I said before, you're the first person to actually, as a woman, hold the role of president and CEO of Tamra. The article said, women are uniquely positioned to contribute to solutions that work best for their communities. They understand better than anyone what can make a real difference and offer a fresh perspective on how to achieve meaningful impact. The climate crisis has proven to be anything but gender neutral. Women and girls experience the greatest impact of climate change globally, mainly because they represent the majority of the world's poor and depend on local natural resources for their livelihood. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. Do you think we need more representation from women? when it comes to climate action?
1: I think we need more representation for, from all groups uh, and from all parts of society uh, and also from all types of countries. In general, I'm very skeptic to generalization and using stereotypes, because I actually believe that elements that are driving discrimination. So in general, I'm very careful to see, talk about female leaders, because there is so much difference between female leaders. But there is no question that, as you said, uh, that females have been more uh, exposed and experienced the effects of climate change more than others. And it is important that the voice of those that are being impacted is heard. So I believe, and that's why I believe, these kind of global treaties are so important in this space, because you need to get emerging countries together with the developing countries driving this, and you need all parts of society to back what is needed. If not, we will not become successful. But uh, so female climate leaders are of course important, but also, you know, still most decisions are being made by men (laughs) in the world. That is still the reality most business leaders are still men. So it's extremely important that they also take really, you know, a leading role here because they have the power uh, to actually do so. So uh, I think that is equally important. So yes, all voices to be heard, Uh, make sure that we really take everybody with us on on the journey. Uh, But the key thing is that the key decision makers now do and make the decisions that is required to create the incentives for the change, the legislation uh, framework uh, uh, in a way that it will drive the change. That, that is the most important thing.
0: So the gist, Tova, is whoever is making these decisions does not have time or the luxury to sit back and relax.
1: No, exactly. So, so I think yeah. that is, uh, I guess, what I've been tr- trying to get across is this sense of urgency, yeah. um, because it is really urgent. And what frustrates me uh, is that I see and I know all these great solutions that can be implemented tomorrow that can make a big positive difference. Existing technology just rolled out. I mean, we in Tumra, we did a study together with Anomi on this. You know, just implementing existing practices within waste management would reduce the global CO2 emissions with approximately 2.8 billion CO2. That is just rolling out existing practices. Why does it happen? because it costs money and you don't have this uh, level playing field. So people don't want to pay for it because that will make it more costly for them than others or so forth. So, you know, you need to enable this happening fast. Uh, And that's where I believe, you know, we need the key decision makers, both in businesses and governments to really create the right uh, framework to really accelerate this. And then you need incentives in place uh, to drive it.
0: Okay. So now we can, we should, basically. Yeah. One last question, Storra. As I mentioned, this is the last episode of the year. And uh, I I believe you've been to New York. I have, Have, yes. You have. (laughs) Okay. Have you seen the billboards on Times Square? Yes, I have. Okay. So it's New Year's Eve. It's full. What if you could have the billboard on New Year's Eve and you have this full crowd at Times Square? What would you put on that billboard and why?
1: Oh, that's an uh, interesting question. Uh, that's an opportunity to reach many people. So what do, the, what do I want to say? So I definitely want to say something that hopefully creates action and a bit of urgency. So I think I would put there, um, when your grandchildren ask you, what did you do to stop climate change? What will you tell them?
0: And what will you tell them, Tova?
1: That I contributed both through. So what I do personally, of course, I try to be conscious on the choices that I'm making in my daily life. But at the same time, my biggest contribution is through my work. So uh, that's where I can make a, a real difference, and that is, you know, one of the key reasons why I work for Tumra because I want to use my time and energy on something that will actually make a positive impact.
0: Very good. Thank you very much, Tova, for joining us. I know you're a very busy person and I truly, really appreciate you taking time to, to give us your insights and your thoughts and your perspectives on the future.
1: Thanks. Thank you very much for having me.
0: And thanks to our listeners who have tuned in throughout the year. And we look forward to sharing more information and knowledge with you next year. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating. Subscribe and turn on notifications. To comment on this episode, visit circular com slash podcast.